Hi, my name is Mal, and I'm a published author, a life coach, and I'm excited to share the conversation with Pearl today. Hey, everybody, it's Pearl. We are back again for another Conversations with Pearl, and I'm so excited to bring somebody who is actually here local to me in Tampa, Florida, but I've gotten to know her through our unfortunate connection of our loss of our child. But she is such a spitfire, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet Mal Moss. She is a published author. She's a life coach and a nurse, as well as a healthcare leader. She's also a grieving mother, and she writes about her grief journey because she knows it very well. And I'm so excited for us to have some amazing conversations about this. So if you're sitting back and you're listening, take some notes. Um, Some of this, if you have walked that path of maybe having a loss of a child, it might give you triggers, but I hope we empower you today as we share Mal's story. Hi, Mal. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you today. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I just give us a little bit about, you know, your your background. I know you're, a, you know, got the nursing background, an author. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that and then lead us into we'll talk more about the journey of what led us both together. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 26 years. Uh, I actually had a career in advertising and marketing and decided to become a nurse. Um, after my mom had battled breast cancer and I felt like I needed to do something about that to deal. And that goes into some of the story of the grief that uh, journey that I've been on. Um, and, um, and then I, again, you know, I published my first book. I've been writing for a long time. Uh, I found it to always be so healing and helped me kind of put my thoughts together instead of just rambling. Uh, and so, um, I went back to school and got my master's degree in nursing because I felt like I needed to stay busy, but I also wanted to achieve something no one in my family had done. And, um, it, it, it is to get a master's degree outside of my uncle, who's an attorney. So it was kind of a, a personal journey I put myself on. I'm sitting here going, wow, you went from advertising marketing to getting a nursing degree. It's like, whoo, but, but it's what's so, what's so interesting about it is you did exactly what we often do in our lives is like something, something um, significant has happened mm-hmm. in our life. That's impacted our, our life, our loved one, you know, something in mm-hmm. our, in our world that as we go on that journey, we're like, I'm not alone. What can I do mm-hmm. about it? How can I help? And so you went on the journey mm-hmm. to become a nurse. I mean, you just went right. total opposite pivotal thing. But at the same time, I could see the connected because you were marketing how to take care of your loved one, right? It's like the way mm-hmm. I could take care of it is to learn what I can do through the nursing right. and then start, start applying my skills to my loved mm-hmm. one. It's just so, so powering that the example of, you know, we come into this world. I talk about this all the time that we come into this world and we think we have, we want to go this one way because we feel like that's how we're pulled. But truly that gift of caretaking uh, mm-hmm. is what your gift was. And so you started honing into that gift. And I talk often about how, if we don't listen to that gift, if we don't follow right. that big pull that's on our heart, and sometimes, unfortunately, it takes us something major happening in our life to go, I need to do this because I've been kind of quietly leaving it on a shelf, but I need to pull it out now. Right. And we don't do that for ourselves. We're cheating ourselves. But had you not done that, you wouldn't be able to show up there for your loved one, you know, to be there to help and help take care and and guide and get questions answered and help probably, I'm sure also help her understand what she was hearing and receiving from, from the medical Mm -hmm. world. 
So I think it's, right. it's a great example. Yeah, I, uh, in thinking back about it, it was kind of profound because I loved what I was doing in my role in advertising. I worked um, for a, a sporting trading card company ad agency, and I did a lot of work for the Dallas Cowboys. And so I was really actively engaged in the sports marketing, which is what I was interested in. That this compelling part of me, again, the caregiver story you're talking about, really kind of just said, wait a minute there's something here you need to pay attention to. And I, I did feel compelled that I had to do something. And so going to nursing school while trying to raise a uh, three, well, really she was three to five-year-old was, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> challenging to say the least, but, um, but definitely um, it was an exciting time and I felt really compelled to do it. So that's where I landed. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's, uh, you know, and I've met you, you know, we've met in person a couple of times and I can see that, that nurturing side about you. I'm glad, I'm glad that calling came to you. And I, I know that, you know, with your mom, it helped. And I know further down the line, it's um, helped in other ways as well. So, so yeah. you, you know, you helped your, you go to this, the nursing school, you get your master's, which congratulations. That's amazing. Cause it's not an easy prep to do That's for sure. Um, did you, did you do nursing through COVID as well? Were you nursing at that time? No, no, I left the clinical bedside practice um, right after, you know, the situation with my daughter. So the passing of my daughter. So um, because I just struggled to, um, I worked in PSET, which is really hard. Uh, So I I worked um, in the PACU and I focused on PEDS. I also did adults, but I mostly focused on the pediatric population. And I worked in a surgery center uh, and also an outpatient hospital center. So it was, it was just really hard and I was struggling. So I thought, you know, I need to find something else to do it. And this is the one beautiful thing about nursing. It has been very good to me as far as career wise. I've been able to go multiple places, do multiple things and learn so much. Um, and so I left clinical practice. I still practice. I'm an RN. I just practice in a consultant, clinical consultant role. Uh, and I used to do a leadership at various healthcare companies, um, managing nurses, doing case management, so to speak, where they talk to people on the phone and kind of help them through navigate through their uh, benefits and stuff. So it, it, you know, it, it's been a great career. It's been uh, lovely to work with so many people. Uh, I've learned a lot, and um, and I'm so grateful for it. Just so grateful. That's, that's amazing. And it's so awesome. To, you know, I could tell just like the way you're sharing your, your, your expression, how much you love it. And that, that mm-hmm. it's so great. You're able to take and do stuff with it. So let's talk about your daughter. Let's tell us about your daughter and um, help us help the listeners and those that are watching, let them hear the story about your amazing daughter. Oh, thank you. So my daughter's name is Brittany. Uh, she was uh, born uh, uh, November 30th, 1988. Um, she was a little obstinate. I should have known then we were going to have struggles. She did not want to come on time. Uh, and, uh, so I, we, we finally made it to the hospital that got delivered. She had a little bit of a, an issue with her hip. And so we, you know, had to deal with a little bit of that, uh, for the first couple of years. But then at 11 months, when she was 11 months old, she contracted encephalitis and she nearly died then. Uh, she was in the uh, PICU, so the pediatric and uh, ICU for 11 days. And where she had to relearn to hold her head up again. She was 11 months old. She was just about to walk. And that started our journey that we didn't know would unfold over the many years. But um, at age five, while I was in nursing school, uh, I noticed in talking to her, she seemed to be blanking out a little bit. 
And so we, I told her pediatrician, they did an, um, an EEG and MRI and they showed she still had some of that residual damage from the encephalitis and it was causing her to have petite mal seizures. So those are non grand mal seizures. They're more of a, just kind of a momentary blink. And if you, you, you blinked yourself, you'd miss it. You wouldn't even know. Um, but, um, she, she went on for several years, just really just blossoming, doing really well. Uh, and then it, when she went into puberty, she developed um, Crohn's disease, and which is odd. It, it, it's not normally um, diagnosed that early. She was 10 at the time. And she also, because of that, developed a grand mal seizure. She fell off a swing set and landed in, thankfully, sawdust that was underneath the in the playground. And so she was rushed to the hospital and, you know, we found out. So then she had to be, you know, medicated differently. And <clears throat> so we went on and had some adjustments to make and she went on and blossomed some more in school, seemed to be, you know, on the right track. And then in her sophomore year in high school, she, she kind of came into her own. She became like this, like different person who loved fashion and everybody, you know, she struggled with being accepted because she had this, you know, sometimes the ambulance would have to come to school and get her because she had a seizure. So she, um, but she was so loving. She loved to read to younger kids. She would go to people's houses and take them birthday balloons and she didn't even know them. She would, she just would, she would take in all, all of the different kids that, would come into the school that were, you know, kind of maybe bullied or whatever. And she would take them in and, and uh, be their friend. And, um, but she was doing really well. She was, uh, met a, a boy at, which became her boyfriend at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Camp Oasis, which is a near and dear to my heart. I would want to start a foundation to help pay for kids to go to this camp because they, in four years that they did such great things there for her. Uh, they wanted her to come back and be a counselor after her senior year. Um, but when she was in her sophomore year, she went to Costa Rica. I think it was at the end of her sophomore year, went to Costa Rica on a mission trip. And when she came back, things seemed different. After a couple of months, we seemed behavior, seizure, weird movements. We couldn't put our finger on it. Or, so we, you know, we were kind of surprised because the last test we had, so she was a normal EEG normal MRI. She was slated to learn to drive. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden something happened. Um, and we never really knew what it was, but from that moment on up until her death and her, her senior year, she um, declined in her epilepsy and her Crohn's disease, but mostly her epilepsy to where the point was the um, would start having more grand mal seizures and they we went to the Cleveland Clinic and they said she was having seizure activity 70% of the time in her brain unbeknownst to us it was you you couldn't see it um, but it was definitely manifesting in her grades in other other areas so um it was about 2 weeks after the Cleveland Clinic that she had a grand mal seizure in my home uh for which I usually have medication I can give her and I gave her that medication and it didn't work so we called the ambulance and she died well not really uh, in in the uh, pediatric intensive. This was in Grand Michigan. So that it, she was just such a beautiful light, and that is what why I am doing what I'm doing today 
and why I wrote the book and why I journaled in a blog is because of her beautiful spirit and what she taught me. Right. So, um, but she, yeah, it, you, you just look at her picture and I know you've seen it. It's in the, it's on the book. It's throughout the book. She just emanated a light uh, from her heart that no one could, you couldn't even explain it because of how compassionate she was despite being bullied in school, having these chronic illnesses, still getting up every day and putting a smile on her face and going out in the world and, and celebrating it. Like, I know a lot of people who can't do that today, right? <laughs> so um, my only way to figure out how to navigate that space was I need to be more like her, right? So that's kind of her little story in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, I would say you, you, you're making her proud because you, you are a light too. You are such a, an amazing joy to be around. Even, you know, we've met like once or twice in person, but even like we've been on zoom a couple of times and even today, like mm-hmm. you just exude it. And I think it's a beautiful Testament to what she's left you, you know, and, and to carry on with her story and empower others. And, and, you know, and what you said really resonated with me where, you know, I, I had a cousin who had, um, uh, uh, down syndrome. And back then they called it different names, right? I graduated high school in 82. And I, every Friday I would go and have um, Elizabeth and Pearl dates and we'd go out to Godfather's Pizza when it used to be a restaurant. And then we'd go have a movie afterwards. And then I always had to go home and watch the Hulk because that was her boyfriend, right? So it was, and, and I would have friends that couldn't understand. I'm like, Listen, I, I, you know, this is my time with her. It's precious time I get to enjoy mm-hmm. with her. And I did it every Friday night. And then I would meet my friends later. And when you said about, you know, that she was giving to others um, and that she loved others and she met them where they were at is what I wrote down. She met them where they were mm-hmm. at. And, and she mm-hmm. she brought them into that world. I, I feel like, and I'm sure you do, I'm kind of getting chills thinking about it. I feel like, like God said, I'm sending you down here for a short period of time because we don't know mm-hmm. our journey. We don't know how long we're here or not here. Right. But I feel like he set her down here and said, because I want you to leave a light with others. I want others to feel like no matter what's happening in their world or, or what I've created for them in their life, that they're loved. And like she gave that love. And then and then to think, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, because I do know I, I have, you know, I have a kind of friend who has the seizures too. And you don't know that they're happening, like you said, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to think that, you know, as she, she still pushed through life, having this and not knowing, you know, like you said, we could blink our eyes and it's happening um, is, is just to, to watch that she's left that mark on the world to say, even mm-hmm. though I had all this going on, I'm, I'm doing something to make a difference. And, and yeah. that she left so young, but she left so much wisdom is where I feel like right. I hear from you. Right. And, and I mean, my gosh, I mean, you know, to be a mom, I mean, you know, of course, you, you know, and listeners know I lost Matthew in a car accident tragically, but I wasn't there. I talked to him 20 minutes before he passed. I felt his passing as crazy as it sounds. I did feel him passing um, through me, but to, I can't imagine being that mom watching her, like it's happening right in front of you and there's nothing. Yeah that you can do, you know, that's got to be so overwhelming. Yeah, I think when I think back about those 12 hours, I was, you know, I was in the hospital and being a nurse, I had to try to, I was trying to separate the two roles, mom, nurse. But as a nurse, I knew what was happening. I knew what was unfolding. Um, and I, I was kind of trying to prepare myself for the outcome. And I think that <clears throat> this is where <laughs> being a nurse, I was grateful for. Because I did know what was happening. And while I prayed that the outcome would be different, um, it w- being a nurse helped me see that all the medications she was on and 
And I write about this in the book. And <laughs> it was a hard chapter to write about her last few minutes and what that looked like. But um, I have to say, like, when I when I look back about it, it was almost as if it was a, a PTSD moment for me. Like, I really struggled with the, those memories for several years before I could finally, like, let it go. Um, but those 12 hours were, to watch it unfold, to your point, it was uh, like an out-of-body experience. Like, I was over here as a nurse looking and here at the bedside with with her, and these two people were colliding in that moment and, and trying to figure out how to deal with it. So, um, but I, I will say that at her celebration of life, so many people came that we didn't plan on. We said maybe 50 people will come, right? Right. It was like over 500. And they were standing room, lined out the door, and um, she happened to pass on homecoming. Uh, so the so there was a lot of the students there, friends of mine, the a lot of family came. Um, but what was most striking was the stories that these kids I didn't even know and the stories I didn't know about were were told during that time of, of the many things that she did for others. I, as a parent, had no idea. Like, right? And I was like, wow, like, this is really great because this is what you hope for in a child that you raise is that they turn out to be you know, just this light and this warmth to the world. And, and so it was very healing to hear those stories. And I heard them for a month out later. I'd get letters from her friends and I still, we celebrate here 17 years later, we still celebrate uh, her birthday and they send me special messages. So it, it, it it's an experience, one of which I said, like, I felt like I was an out of body, but because of my nursing role, I was able to kind of take in what happened and there are some other moments in the book that I'll, I'll leave for that but uh, when I talk about how the nurses treated me they were so wonderful same thing when my mother passed and, and you're right and I, I I knew I wanted to be a nurse after she had passed away and then when my grandmother passed away I was a nursing student and the nurses were so wonderful to me and then when Brittany was ill the nurses were so wonderful to me how could I not want to be part of that community that is the very thing that helped me through the very tiny one. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I agree with you. Like the nurse and doctors are great, but the nurses, are, I feel like they're right there every minute with yeah. you. And you know, I, I remember that like with my, my mother-in-law when she passed, I mean, she took a turn like just like that. It was like just a crazy mm -hmm. thing. And I remember that many conversations, she was um, in ICU for a little while and the, she was having the um, sundowners issues, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And I remember um, I, the nurse, I, I talked to the, like the nurses and stuff like all the time. And then she got, she graduated up and the day she was supposed to come home, like all, like she, she passed the day she's supposed to come, she actually passed. She was supposed to come home. Mm -hmm. She was going to have a feeding tube for a little bit. I was going to totally switch around my business and how I worked and everything because we had somebody that could take care of her, but they wouldn't be able to do the feeding tube. So like, okay, we'll do that. Well, I get a call in the morning that basically said, Hey, um, she's not feeling great. So just come later in the afternoon. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go home. I'm going to change. Um, we were going over by, um, we were going to Emily arena, which is right around the corner from the hospital to see the globe trotters at night. So I was like, well, I told my husband, well, I'll go by and see her and then we'll go to lunch. You can pick her up this evening. 
Well, then I, I literally get home, changed in some comfortable clothes and they called to get here right away. She's taking a turn for the worse. We're like, what? And the nurses, mm-hmm. I mean, for us, it was shocking, but to see the nurses like in tears and the caseworkers, mm-hmm. like they're like, yeah. I'm like, we don't know mm-hmm. what happened. And, you know, and, and I knew what it was. She didn't want to come home like that. You know, that was not who she wanted to come right. home as. And so you're right. The nurses are just, they're, they're just so, so amazing. They're so compassionate and so, so caring mm-hmm. and want to, you know, to help you understand. And, and I can imagine, I was sitting there looking like, as you were describing it, um, like thinking that nurse, you know, nurse Mao and mom Mao, like that whole, I could see mm-hmm. that collision. Like mom's going, I don't want to hear yeah. it. I, I know what you're telling me, nurse Mao. I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't know. Right. We're going to wish for a miracle. We're going to, you know, and, and that whole, and that yeah. whole process and i could just see those two colliding you gave a great visual of that and um and yeah i don't know i, I you're really strong because i don't know that i could have i, I might have had to really punch her out or something the, the nurse <laughs> but um yeah but yeah i i can't imagine that and i you know that and then when you talk about the story about um about the school and her friends and and everything it, it's so true like you know, we send our kids to school every day and we know they do stuff with their friends and, you know, we hear stories mm-hmm. or whatever. Sometimes we hear more of the, the bad stuff than we hear the good stuff, you know? And, and like you said, like for them to, to that many people to show up for her, it showed what her light yeah. truly was. It showed that, that light that, you know, that God brought her to do. And she, she gave that light. And I also feel like she gave that light because also she learned a, a beautiful light from you too. You, you uh, just getting to know you, you emulated that through her. And now mm-hmm. you're paying her story forward through the writing about her. Like you're carrying that light forward because we need more of those kind of lights in our world. We need more yes, of do. our young, our young adults in school to, to be able to go, yeah, I'm having challenges. You know, we hear so much about bullying and we're talking, which I'm so glad we're talking a lot more about mental fitness and, and all those mm-hmm. conversations that are starting to come up. And we need more adults, more students that can understand and empathize with a fellow student to be like, I'm here. Let me walk next to you. Let me be the listening ear for you. And, and I think it's so amazing that she did that for so many. And then here you are years later. That's the one thing for me as well, that I take comfort in like, um, two weeks after Matt passed, he had a couple of friends show up at our door that did not know he had passed. That was the hardest conversation ever. But they were comforting to me. Here I was trying to comfort them. They were comforting mm-hmm. me with the stories they shared, right? And like you talked about celebrating birthdays. So Matt's, and you know, Matt's first birthday was his headstone came in the, the week before his birthday. Oh, I'm like, okay. Matthew, this is a really weird gift you're getting, right? But we decided <laughs> to celebrate him. So we we got all his friends together um, at his graveside and his friends sat around. We, you know, we all we did a picnic lunch uh, around this graveside and they're, they're all telling stories. And some stories are like going, what, what? I didn't know that, you know? <laughs> so it was really interesting. And I'm like, really like, yeah, mama Pearl, didn't you know that? I'm like, yeah, I remember that, but I didn't know that was because of that. Right. You know, but it was really yeah. neat. And then, and then also, like you said, with your daughter to hear the stories of how he was that listening ear, like he had one friend that said um, they had gone out I think to a bar and um, his friend was really upset. They were with a bunch of other friends, but his one friend, I think he had just had a breakup or something. And he said, Matt could have gone out with the other guys and gone on a dance floor with girls, but he sat and talked to me. He sat at the bar and talked Mm -hmm. to me and comforted me. And those are the stories Mm -hmm. that, you know, we want to hear about our kids. We want to hear those things. And and that's what your daughter did. And I think it's amazing that you're sharing those stories for her. Yeah, I actually saved a lot of, of, you know, I have a a box, I don't know, went through it not long ago, into this TikTok thing, 
And to show people, you know, grief is real. And you, you, I have all these memories and they're in a box, they're in this large box. And I, a lot of them are the things from the, the celebration of life. And so a lot of the cards and the letters and, and there were se- several people, uh, girls who had written that what she did for them, like how she heard them, how she acknowledged them in their struggles. And so in that, um, Brittany wrote, some very uh, interesting and uh, very insightful poetry uh, for which I am working on to publish because she also has some artwork that she had worked on. And so I was I'm matching it with the artwork and the poetry she wrote. Um, but she wrote about like the struggles that she was hearing and feeling from her friends and, um, and, and she felt for them and, and was just, I think taking on some of that burden a little bit to say, how can I help? Cause no one else is helping them. Right. And I, those are all the things that you take those lessons away from what our kids have taught us. Um, and I like to think that maybe I had some influence on that. It's what you said, but uh, I think she was uh, just an extraordinary and again, sent here for a very short time. And I, I'll, I'll say this last thing about it was, when her uh, boyfriend was really struggling after her passing, he's like, why would God let me meet someone who he was going to take away? And I said, you, you have to remember, he was sent here with a purpose. And one of her purposes was to teach you that you are worthy of being loved. Because he too had the same condition for which they met at camp, at, at Camp Oasis. And those kids often feel rejected. And I and he's blossomed into this wonderful adult man, you know, and has a wonderful life. And you just have to wonder if that collision had not happened. And I call it a collision because he shook up his world. What would have happened? What would have been the outcome? Right. And I think that um, that story, too, is why it's so important that we have purpose in connecting with each other and kind of empowering us to do things and see things differently and then go take that forward and go empower others. Right. That's the lesson I took from all of that. Yeah, no. And it's so true. You made me think about Matt's girlfriend when you said that, because that was one of the things she sort of said, not those exact words, but along those lines, like, why would I, you know, can come in and Mm -hmm. then be taking away. And she moved, she has since moved to New Jersey. So I miss her um, dearly, but she's got an amazing daughter, Evie. And Evie's just recently been, um, gotten some challenges that that they got confirmation on some things health-wise for her. And Mm -hmm. I remember that she always tells me that Matthew used to, Matthew saw it early, Matthew saw it early. So I'm like, you know, maybe Matt came in so he could help you see some of that, you know, and, and also she's an amazing, amazing, strong young girl. Like she, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, here she was pregnant and she, worked her tail off to save money to move to Florida while pregnant all on her own by herself, single mom, not even delivered a baby yet. And she, she did so well that for three years, she was able to stay home with her child and not have to work. She had a little side business, but because she worked her tail off to save her money, she was able to spend that time with her daughter. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, she met, she met Matthew and I tell her all the time, I go, 
you met Matthew to show him so he could see what real love was like before he had to leave mm-hmm. this world. You know, that like he got to see yeah. what real love was like, what a relationship can truly look like if it's the right relationship, you know? And I said, and the blessing is you're in our life the rest of the, your life. And when you meet the right person that he'll come along, you know, and she's like, no, and I'm like, don't say no. It, Matthew will send the right person to you and and we'll be here to support you every step of the way, you know? And and it's just like you said, that the to have those those things that, you know, that the they've left behind and others to see them shine through others, yep. but also to have those notes and everything from, um, from their friends like at Matt. So we're both on TikTok, and we know, I'm sure you know about mama tot, right? So you follow mama tot, yep. right? Yeah. So somebody, had, yeah, yeah. So Philia, so, and she's listening. Hello, Ophelia. Um, so somebody had sent her this box, um, that they kept the graveside and they put a, a notepad in there when friends go visit, yeah. they can get the notepad. So before Matt's headstone was there, I had that there and some people wrote notes in there, but now the headstones are, they're very strict about what you can put there. So I'm trying to find a notebook yeah. that sits in between the vases, but, um, she just shared the other day. So for her, before her son passed, she had seen a blue, um, a bluebird feather. So she picked up this bluebird feather and then when her son passed like a week or two later, I don't know the exact timeline, she put that feather in his casket, right? So people were sending her all these feathers. And I'm sharing the story because she's really, I don't know if you saw recently, she was on a podcast, I can't remember the podcast they interviewed on, and she stared, they asked her about the feathers. She had hundreds of feathers. And it made me think about when you said wow. you have a box, right? You have these things in this box. And that's what, that is what, you know, grieving and, you know, looks like is you have all these things in a box now. And it's funny because yeah. I have to go through some of that stuff of Matthew. I've un- I've done some things and now I have a friend coming over because I'm like, I need to go through it, but I'm not sure. I need somebody to kind of help me separate the emotion to what I should keep and not keep, yeah. you know? And so she was sharing that people were sending her all these bluebird feathers. So I think she was keeping them in a box. Um, and I don't know if she's going to, maybe she's going to make something with it. I'm not sure. But she was sharing the story that in the like early morning one day, the warden came and knocked at her door and her husband answered mm-hmm. the door and they he, they asked for his wife, asked for Ophelia. And I guess they live on property. So she thought somebody maybe had shot, done some hunting on the land. So they thought that's why mm-hmm. they were coming. And the warden said, I hate to have to do this, but... Um, I understand you have some bluebird feathers. And she's like, well, yeah, like what's the big deal, right? And have you heard this story? Oh no, but I just, it just makes the, I mean, it resonates with me for so many reasons. But yes, yes no, so she, he, and story. so she looks at the warden, she goes, well, yeah. And the warden says, well, I have to take those feathers from you. And she's like, what, what? I don't understand. Like, she doesn't understand. He says, what's well, a, it's a, it's a fine $250 per feather to have them you're not allowed to have them and i was like i'm listening to us going oh my gosh she said she had to give the feathers and they said we know you didn't know and so i just have to take them i'm not gonna you know they're not gonna do a fine or whatever so she had to turn over all those feathers and in my in, in my mom grieving mom moment i was like going oh my gosh these things were so comforting for her they were comforted people were thinking of her sending her and now she has to give something of kind of it wasn't him but that remembrance of him away you know and so it is those that are listening it's it was a it was a federal government warden do not pick up a bluebird feather on the ground i guess they call them the songbird feathers or the songbirds you're not allowed to collect those feathers and so i thought as as like i said as a grieving mom i thought wow you know um you know we go through this journey of grief and things pop up you know we have these waves um, that come yep. 
And I believe that I, I have to let the waves come. I mean, for me to, you know, to bury yeah. them, it's not healthy at all. And um, no. yeah, not at all. And so, you know, so I want to kind of touch on that, Mal. Like you've been, how many years mm-hmm. has your daughter been gone? 17. Yeah. 17. And I'm only in year two. So, um, right. Yeah. And you're, you're in that stage that, right. I, they talk about often that 18 to 24 months when, you know, things kind of get a little murky, right. Because uh, a lot of things come back. That first year, it always seems like it's so, um, I don't know, at, at, out of this world. I felt like I was in a shock. You're, yeah. It was like, it was just a yeah, shock I, and like, yeah. Has it, has right, this really happened? Right. Oh no, he's going to walk through the door. Oh, it has happened. It was like, right. yeah. All that. We right because for me, uh, her father and I were uh, divorced. Had been divorced a couple of years, and he we shared custody seven days on, seven days off. So when she passed, was the day she was supposed to go back to her dad. So I sat at home, and after they ate, she didn't come back. I like I was waiting for her to walk through the door, right? And I I I struggled with that for months. I had to actually sell my house and move because I because I couldn't live there anymore. And I know this is a big struggle for some folks that are going through grief and have gone through grief and lost children, lost loved ones. Um, my daughter, because my daughter was a giving spirit, she, you know, she, we had one of her friends stay with us. Uh, she would give the shirt off her back to anyone. And uh, so I knew I had to give away her things within months. I gave away her bedroom suit things like that. We went through it. My family came and we, we went through all the things that we, I would want to keep. And the one thing I will tell you that really shocked me was when I went through her closet, the only thing that was left in there was two shirts I saved and a backpack. And the backpack had been cleaned out. But yet when I picked it out, there was this piece of paper sticking out of the corner, like it had been hiding. And when I took it out, it was her essay that she had done in class about how she would want her last days to be and who was to do her eulogy. I kid you not, I about lost my mind when I read that. I still have it today. And uh, she was very faithful to mind you, very faithful. Uh, and I was like, it seemed like if I'd, have, if I'd have seen that before this all happened, I would have been like, why, why are you writing about that? But to me, I felt like it helped me that I feel like she knew things things were happening. Yeah. That she knew her time was short, right? That was like, oh, so when you go through things, right, you just never know. The thing, I found a, 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 a camera, one of those instant cameras that had not been processed, full of pictures of her and her boyfriend. Aww. And I was like, this is amazing. But those are those little gifts and nuggets that you might have passed over the first time you looked at things. And it's the second and third time you go through them and you realize, oh, I didn't see that before. It's interesting. So that I always said, say, be aware. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because um, Matthew passed at 25. And when he turned, as he was as he was going between 24 and 25, for that one year between that birthday, he kept saying, and this is why I did a, I did a video yesterday on Facebook because I really wanted to make sure it was clear he always said that he never thought he was going to live past 25. And I would be like, Matt, stop saying that. Don't talk like that. You know, I, you know, you, you've got so many years ahead of you, but you gotta, you know, and then shortly after they met Brittany, I'm like, see, Brittany's coming, you know, all these things. And then when he passed the two weeks after he turned 25, I was like, it didn't hit me to a few months later. I'm like, he had the wisdom that, you know, he would see, he could see that for whatever reason, he had that feeling. And, you know, I did a video yesterday because 
um, it's, it's interesting. And I don't, I mean, you, cause you watched your, everybody knew your daughter had this, you know, when she passed, they found out about her illness and stuff, what people will say about things and without, uh, you know, about the passing. No right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Matthew had a single car accident because he made the bad decision to drink and drive. Right. And, um, he had been involved in this cult. He, Matt called it a cult. And then I always thought it was down in Ebor. And um, I didn't know till like a- almost eight months later that they had done this video claiming that they cursed him and that he committed suicide and just uh, this horrible things. But so I guess that had gotten on social media, which I didn't see. So I would, I've, I've run into friends and I would tell the story. They're like, oh my gosh, bro, I'm so sorry. I thought he committed suicide. I was under the impression. I'm like, w- like, where did that come from? You know, it's very frustrating. And like um, a, a friend of mine who I interviewed yesterday, she's like, before we got on the podcast, she's like, Pro, I, I don't know why I assumed that I did too. And, and I, you know, I don't hold anything against that person or those people mm-hmm. thinking that, but I'm like, I want to, sh- I want to share that this is not factual. So yesterday I did a whole, um, like probably, probably four yeah, minutes live. Yeah. Cause I'm like, yeah. you know, and, and these people, I mean, they still have this video up They're They, they're basically using the video to scare people that are in their circle yeah. to say, you know, and, and I, and for me, it's like, I don't like that, but you know, it's like it, it, the things people do or say, or, you know, the whole thing, but like you said, the signs that he's left behind and the signs I've gotten since, yeah. you know, and, and like even on yeah. the day that he, he, the day that we um, had a service, Matthew used to say all this. He loved playing video games. He loved the um, fast and furious game. He used to say, mom, I'm going to be fast. I'm going to be in fast and furious one day. I'm like, please don't talk like that. I don't need you to be in a police chase. You know? So the You're day right. that while we were doing his service, we had so much family starting to come in and they had asked us, do you need a police escort? At first, I'm like, no, we all know where we're going. But then as more family was coming in, I'm like, called them like the day, like day and a half before. I'm like, I think we do need a police escort. So literally, we're, we left mass and we're going to the cemetery. And they had four cop cars a- escorting us, like the big SUVs. And I started mm-hmm. chuckling and chuckling is, why are you laughing? I'm like, because Matthew's in his own Fast and Furious right now. What? 100%. He called it. <laughs> I was like, he's got his fast and furious happening, you know? So yeah, so it's just, it's crazy. But so let's talk about that for a minute, Mal. So first of all, talk about the book, tell everybody the title of the book. Yeah. um, And then um, talk about, you know, sort of the reason, I mean, I, I I think we all could probably, I don't want to assume anything, but kind of share what, why you decided to do the book, why it was important for you to do the book. So, um, you know, I have it here. So um, the, the name of the book is Grief Blessings. Um, and I know some people might find that interesting. And I, I, I stuck with that title for a long time. Uh, it's the story of unimaginable grief and unexpected blessings. And I, I, I actually, that was the name of my blog. It still is the name of my blog that, that the book stems from. It, 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 it's an accumulation of the highlights that are in the blog, um, but written in a narrative way to kind of um, inform give courage and purpose to the journey because for me i have worked with a couple of grieving parents over the years and they've asked me what was the one thing that you did that really helped you and i said write i wrote and some days i would write one sentence (laughs) and other days i would write a book uh online and i kept this online journal i write maybe sometimes multiple times a day and sometimes once every day and then over the time, it's now more or less once a month that I put out an article. Um, but what I got was a lot of comments and personal messages 
about you are such a great writer. You should publish a book because, and I'll tell you, the reason why is that when I lost my mom, I could not find a book that would help me deal with my grief, right? My mom died just two months before Brittany was born. So I was really in a dark place. And I just stood at a, a bookshelf at Barnes & Noble, never forget it, Evanston, Illinois, sat there, was looking at book, trying to find a book, and I couldn't find one. And something, I don't know what it was, I still think it's divine intervention, but the book on itself. And it was Motherless Daughters by Hope Edelman, who I adore. She's fabulous. So I read her book, and then I was walking out the door, I kid you not, and she's coming in a few weeks to write to sign her book and do a little session. So I, I went. It was the most healing experience I ever had. And it, and it made me think, you know what? Writing about your experience can help others. So had pulled me forward, you know, with Brittany being born. And, and I really didn't write much about those times other than in private journals. But once she, like a few months before she went to the Cleveland Clinic, I started writing. And of course, then after she passed, I, I really wrote profoundly. And some of it was very dark. Um, so I poured out. I didn't hold back. I wrote and it, people, some people were scared and they would knock on my door and call me and are you okay? And I, um, But what I found was when I was able to do that, I wasn't holding it inside anymore. It was taking it from here, the sorrow, and putting it on paper. And for me, it was a, then I could go back and reread it. And it has then since become my timeline of grief. It has just showed me my journey from beginning to now. And I have come so far and I've helped so many. Uh, and the writing the book was, it's not, the book is, if it gets into the hands of the people that feel alone, that the intention is the book is going to help you feel you're not alone. And that was my, that's how I take it. Like I want this book to, to be a light for those who are struggling. And listen, I know I was there. I was there in those first few years. Um, I still have bad days, but they're fewer, uh, less intense, so to speak, uh, more insightful, thoughtful, grateful, um, but still, you know, struggle. Uh, and I go back to my own book, but there was another person's book who helped me tremendously. Um, and so this is why I knew that for me, if I had two books that helped me do it with my process, I needed to, to take what I learned because there's not much out there about losing your only child. And Brittany was my only child. So that trajectory of your life changes, you know, uh, no weddings, no, no being a grandparent. No, like there's, it's, you know, it's different. It's just a my whole life is different than it was then. It's totally different. Um, and so helping people with that, that was the struggle. I could not find anything to help me understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And what I found out was it was okay to feel what I was feeling. It was okay. So that's why I wrote the book. One of my favorite chapters in the book is chapter 12. Um, I talk about my faith and my best friend, Job. I feel like Job and I connected in so many ways in that chapter because of all that had been taken from him and God promised it would be returned. And it's just returned in a different way. You know, it's not the way you had it. It's, it's the new way. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so that's one of my most favorite chapters in the book is chapter 12. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It's like return in a totally different way. And um, and like you said, when the, I remember when I first went to my first um, grief group, I go to one once a month and um, there was a lady mm -hmm. that was sitting there and I think she was about 15 years, kind of close to you in, in length from losing her. Uh, I think her son, I believe, I don't remember if she also lost a um, grandchild. And so mm -hmm. she was, you know, sharing her story and she was crying, you know, and she's like, this is why I don't like to come to this thing because I cry all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and I looked at, I looked over at her and I, I mean, I had been like my first time I went to the meeting, it might've been three months since Matt had passed, I think three or four months. And I looked over and I said, can I thank you? Can I thank you? Because you're showing me that even 15 years from now, I'm going to have yeah. this kind of wave and it's okay. It's okay to have this wave. So I said, yeah. I want you to, you've empowered me. So I hope you continue to mm -hmm. come because it helps me understand that it doesn't go away. It just can show up differently every day, you know? And and yep. like, like we said earlier, like that first year, it was like the acceptance thinking he's going to walk in the door and be like, Hey mom. And I'd be like, what? He, he'd go these nuts like he used to say all the time. Right. And so those mm -hmm. corny things we would do together are throwing water bottles at each other, you know? And, um, and so that first year was all of that. And then now I think it's more the acceptance that, you know, okay, he's not going to come in that door any minute, but I can remember him and have good memories. I can have the memories. I get, I get mad at him sometimes. I'm, you know, I go, I, when I visit him, I'm like, I'm mad at you today. So I just wanted to come and let you know, I'm mad at you today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and things like that. But, you know, and at the same time, you know, I'm blessed that we have our younger son and, you know, mm -hmm. I, it's one of the struggles that I find is to make sure that I'm, you know, Nate lives so much in the journey of Matthew's challenges that I don't want it to now his passing be the grief that overshadows his future success. Right. right. So it's like, it's that trying to like find that balance or that harmony. Cause I never believe it can be completely imbalanced, but finding the harmony between the both the celebrating and, and the grieving, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Like I have a last picture, like. 10 hours, like eight hours before he passed that I have sitting on the beach to now, you know, the memory of that was the same day that, you know, he, he left us. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's like those, those waves. And I, I, I'm a firm mm -hmm. believer and I'm sure you are too, Mal, that we have to let those waves come because if we push them down, yep. it doesn't do us any good. Right. No, I, I wrote about that a lot in the book uh, and, and on my blog, um, you, you, you can't escape it. It will hunt you down until you acknowledge it. So just acknowledge it right away. Let it happen and then take a deep breath and step forward, right? Uh, I tried to run from it. It was not pretty. And uh, that was the biggest lesson I learned is that you just have to, like some days you just have to go and sit down and have a good cry. Yeah. Or you have to do whatever, uh, whatever it is that, that helps relieve the, the buildup of pressure that occurs. Right. Um, and the, the more you fight it, the heart, the bigger and larger that pressure becomes. And then it's harder to get yourself back together again, right? Uh, I, I talk a lot about that because that is the one thing I learned um, the hard way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was to stop running from it. Yeah, I had my last big episode, actually Thanksgiving, we were on our cruise. And on Thanksgiving Day, it was our first first family vacation since Matt had passed. And Thanksgiving Day, I don't know what, I don't even, you never know what just, it just happens. And I, I felt very overwhelmed and with grief and Chuck's like, come on, let's get out of the room. And so we went to go try to meet up with the family for breakfast slash lunch. And we're sitting there mm -hmm. and I have my sunglasses on. I'm like, I can't sit here and just act like we're just having normal conversation. I was really right. upset and, you know, and I was like, so I had to leave the table and I went and sat um, up poolside, like near the balcony kind of area of the pool. 
and just like, I just like kept my glasses on. I just let cry. And Chuck came out, you know, and he's like, I, you know, I'm like, you don't have to sit with me. He goes, yes, I have to sit with you. I want to sit with you, you know, cause I'm it's, I feel it, you know? And so yeah, what was hard though, was like to not have the other family even sort of acknowledge that, that oh, thing. Girl. like, like that, I was like going, how do you just, and like, and then I found myself, <laughs> you'll find this interesting. I found myself <laughs> later apologizing because I was so upset at the table, right? That I was so overwhelmed mm-hmm. and still crickets. Like, and and yeah. this is like, I was like going, and these are very close family members to him. And I was like going, like, there's no, and I, you know, I think probably part of it is that not knowing what to say, like people just don't know what to say. And for me, and if you're listening to this, for me, I always say, just say that. Pearl, I don't know what you're feeling. I can't right. imagine. I just don't know what silence to say. is not good. Yeah, silence is silence worse is for me. Good. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, just say I, that. I had the same problem. Yeah. yeah, I experienced the same thing with friends, with family. Not to say I I had some extraordinary friends. I had a friend who sent me cards and small gifts every every little holiday for years because she felt compelled to do that. But then, you know, you have people that you thought were your friends and they, because they don't know what to say, they choose to say nothing. Right. And I, 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 I held a grudge about that for many years until I learned that my job is to help people understand that it's okay to just come sit beside someone and just say, I'm here. Right. You don't have to have the answer. You don't have to have the right words to say, but the lack of acknowledgement speaks more than anything else. Yeah, it's yeah, that right. was a lack like, of acknowledgement. I was sitting there going, like, even after I said something, was no response. It was just very, you know, and it was very disheartening. I actually, after I did my video yesterday, I had a friend reach out to me and I it was so sweet. She reached out to me and, you know, said, um, she was like, tell me the, the video was really beautiful and that um, she was apologizing for not offering more support over the last year. And I'm like, going, that was so sweet. And she's like, you know, she, she, um, she felt like, I also feel like I'm a burning you because I feel like I can't help as much as someone local because she's in Canada. And I was like, I, I mm. messaged Rebecca, go, oh my gosh, you just got married. You have a brand new baby and how sweet you're <laughs> thinking of me, you know, and it kind of can right. go both ways. You, I, I, I haven't reached out to you with, you've got a brand new baby, you bought a house, you got married, but, but, but that's a lot to put on your shoulders in less than a year. And I was like, you know, it's okay, but at least, you know, just that acknowledgement was so powerful. And, you know, really, you know, as somebody who's grieving, if you're listening to to us talk today, um, no matter what grief, whether it's, you know, somebody who's lost a child or any kind of loved one, or even somebody who's like going Mm -hmm. through a grieving or a divorce or loss of a job, don't just, just reach out and be like, you know, I, I talked with somebody yesterday and we were talking about send flowers or drop off dinner. Don't even ask. Send for them. Right. Even dinner, you don't know if they like the dinner or not. Just drop it off, you know, and, and, and stuff right. like that. I I've been known to get on an airplane once or twice and go visit a friend. Cause I hadn't heard from him. I'm like, I'm at your door. What's up? Let's talk, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. so we have to remember that, but I just looked down. Our time is like flying by here. <laughs> so, so Mal, this has been a <laughs> great awesome. conversation. Yeah. So can you, um, it, can you share how everybody can reach out to you? We're going to put it in the show notes and everything too, but what's the best way somebody should reach you? Um, honestly, uh, I have a Facebook page. That's the name of uh, Unimaginable Grief, Unexpected Blessings. It's public. People can reach out to me there. Um, they can send me an email. I can make sure you have that information. Um, the blog, of course, like, like I said, the actual blog is My Soul Speaks on WordPress. 
um, people to message me there. Um, I'm totally open to talking with people, helping them, uh, directing them to something I've written that might be, you know, relevant to what experience they're having in that moment. Um, and, and, and it, I've done that in the past and that's been very helpful to some people, uh, that, um, have out, outreached me over the years. So it, it, anyway, really, is, and I'll make sure you have all them. Awesome. And we'll make sure we put in all the show notes as well. So thank you so much. All right. So those that are listening, that if you've been with me for a while, you know, the next thing we're doing is our better questions, better life cards. And if you're new to listening to us, these are a group of over <laughs> 70 cards that my friend Carol Gill and her friend Diane Allen created these cards. They're meant to help you start your day. Maybe you meditate on, maybe you journal on, or maybe just give yourself some motivation for the day. So I'm going to shuffle them. Mal's going to tell me when to stop and we're going to ask her the questions she gets on her card. So here we go, Mal. Tell me when to stop. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay, your card says, how satisfied am I with my results? Uh, I'd say very satisfied. Um, because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm achieving goals. Um, they were kind of murky in the beginning, but I think that they have formed together. Um, I'm, I, I, I wrote my book. That was a huge goal for me. It took me 10 years to publish it. Like, it, you're right. So I'm satisfied with it. It, uh, I self published it. So, um, I, you know, I, that was part of the struggle, but it, I'm happy with it, uh, and I'm happy with looking at the next project of the poetry book, poetry and art book, um, and I'm looking forward to the next step, maybe another book. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah, and you are. You're doing great things, and you're paying forward, and I know that your angel's looking down and very proud of her mom for continuing that light yeah. to shine. So thank you so much for being with us. And those that are listening, please go like us at YouTube. We're on Conversations with Pearl on YouTube. So like and subscribe. And if you want to learn more, you can always um, email me at hello at wsliving.com and just say Shiro and I'll know that's you. And so I just want to leave you today and remind you that you come into this world. You are always running outside a little rough. But as you work on the things you want to work on, as you grow inside, you find your inner pearl of greatness. And I hope you all go out today and you find your inner pearl of greatness. Have an amazing day. Hello, sunshine. Good to see you again. Had to walk out to let you back in. Stuck in a storm of our life. You've been listening to me for a little while, but I wanted to really explain to you what a shiro is. You hear me talk about on the radio show and the podcast often about what is a shiro. And what I want you to know is a shiro is you. You are listening today and you are a shiro. But what do I mean you're a shiro? So a shiro is somebody who is strong. You are you have so much strength and maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're not seeing it inside yourself. And you need help tapping into that. And that's what I love to help women do is to find your strength within and help you pour it out of yourself, help you become the strong person you are. And H stands for happy. You know, we all want to be happy, but sometimes finding the roadmap to happiness isn't easy. And so sometimes we have to help make that deep dive into answering heartful, soulful questions about what does it really mean to be happy? What brings me joy? What do I need to say no to so that I can become the person I want to be and the strong person I want to be that's also happy? And then empowered. 
you are empowered just by listening to this podcast that we do or the radio show to be the person that you are meant to be, that person inside, that little girl that's inside just waiting to come out. We want to empower you through our Shiro method to become that strong, happy, empowered person that you are. But it's not an easy step. So, you know, we have to cut through the fluff and the excuses and the drama and the mess that we can make that progress. Because as we start making the progress, then what happens is you start seeing the radiant you. You start arriving at the level that you've created, that divine roadmap, where you're finally starting to live intentionally. And as you live intentionally, then you realize your strength really is powerful, that your happiness is meaningful. And that you are empowered to pay it forward to others, to do the things you want to do without guilt because you deserve it and because your radiance is showing. And then as you work through that progress, then what happens is you become your original self. You become that authentic you that you're supposed to be. Like you've done that deep soulful work and you've, you're starting to make that path of satisfaction and that happiness you've been craving. And so you start laying down the foundation of your success. When you wake up in the morning, you find yourself looking in the mirror, realizing that you don't recognize your old self anymore, that you, you see yourself reflected everywhere in your stride, your relationships, your career, and even your hobbies. So as you align your outward trajectory with that inward path, you start gaining that clarity and that confidence and courage to focus and follow your internal direction. So really, that's what a Shiro is. And it's not easy to get there, right? We need to learn the steps to become that true Shiro, to tap into those superpowers that you have within. And that's why we have what's called our Shiro League. And if you want to join a community of women that are working on exactly these things that we're talking about, that are becoming strong, that are happy, that are empowered, that are radiant and original, that want to tap into things that bring them joy and say no to the things that don't let them enjoy the things that they want to do. We meet every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. No makeup if you want makeup, you can, but just come in to be your radiant self, to be that original person you are. Because really, as you look at your biggest sources of stress, we want to help you with our our Shiro League and our Shiro Method to help you listen to that internal compass so you can start decluttering your distractions and really identify what's really missing in your life. Like what brings you joy and what, we're not talking foo-foo feeling stuff, like really what fills your cup? What makes you so happy to put your cape on first? And as we do that and you become that sure you're meant to be, then what happens is you are radiant. You have created an opportunity to release what you need to say no to so that you can start fulfilling your purpose. So you can start stepping out of your comfort zone and really into what brings your joy. And our Shiro Method Roadmap is that crucial step of helping you to live the life you want to be, to be that Shiro you want to be, to tap into what it is you deserve to do what it is you've been desiring to do. And listen, if you're a mom and you've got kids and you're a working mom outside the house, you're not all about the mom title. You are Pearl. You are Sue. You are Jacqueline. You are Stella. You are somebody that matters and somebody that has goals and visions that deserves to create that divine roadmap. So to finally begin, and like I said, live your life intentionally. So if you're ready to do that and you want some help with that, I would love to invite you to a free call with me. Just let's talk about where you're at, how you get to where you want to go. What are your goals? What brings you joy? What do you need to say no to? 
And I would love to help you peel back those layers so that you can arrive at the real answers so that we can cut away the fluff and the excuses and the drama and help you make that real progress. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next 30 seconds. And if you are here and you're listening, then you know that we are about putting ourselves first. We're about putting that cape on first. We're about finding your true authentic self and learning how to overcome people pleasing and start tapping into your superpowers. Because as you tap into your superpowers, you then can take care of those you love, the things you love to do even better than what you're doing today. Because when you put yourself first, you can become the sure that you're meant to be and your superpowers will help even take care of your family and your loved ones to a much bigger success than you're already doing. So if you're ready to tap into your superpowers and ready to find out how to become your true Shiro, I want you to email me Shiro at pearl at wsliving.com. That's Shiro at pearl at wsliving.com. And I would love to help you become the Shiro of your life.